Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. With me is Robert Walter, a colleague and friend, and someone who also loves the passage of scripture that we'll be looking at today. The Old Testament is the foundation upon which we stand. And the foundation is built on some great passages and promises of the Messiah. I can tell you, just in an anecdotal survey, that more Jewish people have probably come to faith in Jesus through reading Isaiah 53 than any other passage in the Old Testament. And I know that's true because it happened to me. Absolutely, Mitch. And welcome, everyone. I always love how you like to say that this one chapter can change your life. And it's been an important chapter for us in our ministry. As you know, you wrote the book, Isaiah 53 Explained. We've We've uh, had uh, outreach campaigns built upon this chapter, and uh, so many Jewish people have been confronted by God's Word and the Gospel through reading Isaiah 53. I remember the first time I read Isaiah 53, I, I just couldn't believe that that was in my Bible, because even though I hadn't really read the New Testament, there was no doubt in my mind that this pointed to Jesus. I remember when I was first saved, came home and wanted to share the gospel with my Orthodox raised unsaved Jewish mother. And uh, I sat her down and I knew that if I could just show her Isaiah 53, she would just believe and everything would be okay and she wouldn't be mad at me. And uh, she'd tell my, my dad and my sisters and our whole family would come to Jesus, you know? And I sat down with my mom and I said, can I just read you one passage of the Bible? She said, as long as it's not the New Testament. I said, no way. This is going to be our Bible, the Old Testament. And she said, okay, but you can't mention Jesus. I said, no problem. This, this does not mention Jesus. And she said, okay, uh, you, you, you have one shot. So I began reading Isaiah chapter 53, and about verse 6 or 7, my mother fell asleep. I, I was so terribly uh, impacted by this. I, I'm amazed that I ever shared the gospel with anybody after that. And so I woke her up and uh, I said, mom, you, you got to stay away for this. She said, ah, sounds like the New Testament. I said, no, 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 mom, this is Isaiah. He's one of our boys. You know, this is, this is, this is the Old Testament. She said, look, I don't care who it is. It sounds like Jesus Christ. And so I just don't want to hear about it. it. Took me about 35, 40 years <laughs> before my mother would listen to me again. And, uh, but by God's grace, we believe she came to faith before she passed away. So Isaiah 53 is really, really important. But in order to dig into Isaiah 53, we have to start with Isaiah 52. Isaiah was a great Jewish prophet and um, a bit doom and gloom in the first 39 chapters. And then in chapters 40 through 66, Isaiah really spoke beautifully about the glorious future of Israel and the Jewish people because God's faithful to his covenants. What I call the corned beef in the sandwich is this wonderful passage about the servant of the Lord, which goes into great personal detail and description. Now, the phrase, the servant of the Lord, is identifiable 
in Isaiah, in chapter 45, it refers to actually to Cyrus. And sometimes it's used for the nation, and sometimes it's used for the individual. Yeah, it's the text that makes the difference. You know, that's one of the things I love about Jewish interpretation of Scripture. In ultra-Orthodox Judaism, in, in its purest sense, it's, it's always text-driven. Mm-hmm. The main part of a synagogue service takes about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, and it's just the straight reading and chanting of Scripture, right? Right, yeah. That's the center, the center of the, the worship. That's why Paul said, give attention to the public reading of God's Word, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, that was a very synagogal kind of statement uh, to make. And uh, now in, in, in churches, not to be critical, but you're lucky if the Bible reading gets a minute and a half. And we really need to elevate uh, Scripture. So let me just jump in for a moment. There's a debate uh, as to where this great prophecy of the servant of the Lord begins, either in verse 7, which Dr. Craig Evans and some other great scholars as well would agree that it begins in verse 7, this description of the servant, whoever that person might be, which we believe, of course, is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then others will say it begins really in verse 13 of chapter 52, and verses 13 through 15 of chapter 52 is what I call an executive summary. Everything that's going to be laid out in detail in chapter 53 is, in in a very compacted way, is presented in verses 13 through 15. So let me just read verse 7, Bobby. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. One Hebrew word translated by two English words. So good news. Who announces peace? Shalom brings good news of happiness. That's the Hebrew word tov, which can also be translated beautiful. Who announces salvation from the Hebrew word to make wide, to make wide. If you were backed up, David was backed up in a cave. He said, Lord, save me. You can almost see that God God expanding the back walls of a cave so he could get out. Make it wide so I can get out of here and Saul won't kill me. Who announces and says to Zion, your God reigns, the Hebrew word for king, malach. And so we learn some real fundamentals here uh, about what the good news is. The good news is all about peace. Mm -hmm. So it gives you shalom. It's all about happiness. If you're listening today, smile. (laughs) You could be happy because the gospel, the good news makes you happy. And salvation. Uh, It saves you, of course, and from the inside out is always a reminder to us that God is our king. What we find as we continue to read is the process that ultimately the king has to go through in order to uh, obtain this salvation and usher in this kingdom of peace and joy and happiness. I could see it, you know. The king becomes a servant, mm-hmm. and that, that's, that's so much of what the gospel is about. So in verse 13, behold, my servant will prosper. And um, just so you understand, the Hebrew word eved is translated servant here in English, but it's the same word for slave. Mm-hmm. When an Israelite went broke, they lost their farm. They had to indenture themselves to another Israelite. If they liked working with that person, after seven years, they could agree by putting an earring in their ear that they're going to work for them for a long time. 
-hmm. Now, the only way that you would get your land back, however, uh, is if the master or the slave you work for was gracious and let you go. Or you waited for the year of Jubilee, Leviticus chapter 25, in the 50th year, all land reverted back to its original owners. So if there was one thing we know about a servant, we know they were broke. (laughs) They were poor. Mm -hmm. They had nothing. Right. And they had no hope for prosperity. They had no hope for uh, to be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. I mean, it's not like they could get a part-time job at Starbucks. So here we have a dichotomy. We have two different, almost competing concepts. My servant, who really could never get out of poverty, Mm -hmm. will prosper, will prosper. And he'll be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. It's almost like the two images of Messiah are introduced to us here because you have a poor Messiah and a rich Messiah. You have a humble Messiah, you have an exalted Messiah. And that runs all the way through Isaiah chapter 53. Right Now, Bobby, as, as you go into chapter 53, the prophet asks the question, which I, I hope you will answer for those who are listening today. And that is, who has believed our message or our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So who is this message for? And what is the, now the core of the message, and how do you get the message into your own soul? What's, what's the pathway? So the, the message, the question, it's, it's almost a rhetorical question. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, it's almost like God, in, through the prophet Isaiah, is, is asking, who in their right mind is going to believe this? Who is possibly going to believe that this is the way that God has set for all the nations of the earth to be blessed, that it would be through this one unique special individual who would have very humble beginnings, who would suffer uh, horrible, horrible uh, persecution and rejection and beating, and, and ultimately, as we see, he actually dies, but that it would be through him, through his ministry, uh, that he would be raised up and exalted and high and lifted up, and that everyone in the world would have this opportunity to uh, to uh, experience that joy and that peace and that salvation that we talked about earlier. Absolutely. So when we get to verses two and three, we start to learn about these humble beginnings. And what's always stood out to me about these verses is how, again, we're talking about the suffering servant Messiah, right? But the humble beginnings that are described here, it reminds us of King David. He says, for he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. So there was not, there's nothing about this servant, if we're just looking at the physical, at the material, that would make us think that this is him. This is the one. This is the one that God would choose. And, you know, that was the same situation with David. Uh, When Samuel, the last judge, the first prophet was coming to anoint the new king, He came to Jesse's home, and even Jesse, even David's own father, didn't think that David would possibly be the one who would be the king. So he just let him stay out in the field shepherding the the, the flock. So I I think there's a ton to learn. When when was the last time Isaiah used the phrase, Bobby, he'll be high and lifted up and greatly exalted? Do you remember that? You're putting me on the spot here. Give you one second. 
Ah, chapter six. Yeah. And do you remember the call of in Isaiah? In the throne room. Yeah, when Isaiah was brought into the throne room of God, yeah. Right, right. You got it. <laughs> exactly. So I saw the Lord high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Mm. And so the last time Isaiah used this phrase, he used it of God himself. It's awesome. And his appearance was marred more than any man. So on the way from being a servant to a king, that person would be marred and scarred. Right. And that's and the Hebrew is very graphic about that. And then he will sprinkle many nations. The Hebrew word for sprinkle there is borrowed from the first seven chapters of Leviticus mm -hmm. and usually refer to the sprinkling of blood, sacrificial blood on the altar. Right. So the imagery is clear that whoever this marred and scarred servant of the Lord is who becomes exalted as a king who's high and lifted up just like God, he will sprinkle atoning blood and you notice bobby here it, it says among the hagoyim among right. the nations not just right. the jewish people right so his ministry would have a global impact which is fulfillment of promise promises that god made in genesis 12 to abraham that through you all the families of the earth would be blessed and the ultimate you is jesus our king At the heart of every believer is a desire to walk in the ways of the Savior. This fall, we'd like to encourage you to go deeper by connecting with our Messiah's culture. Throughout the Gospels, we read that Jesus was a Jewish man, celebrating the biblical feasts with his disciples. So, the feast days must be significant for us too. And to help you discover the past, present, and prophetic impact of the biblical feasts coming up this fall, we invite you to contact us. We have a variety of articles, books, and newsletters that will help you to learn more about these special appointed times. And you can even invite one of our speakers to your local church. Visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or connect with us today by calling 888-293-7482. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear from Motul Mordecai Ballaston, who is a Jewish man who was told to stay away from the Christian Bible from the New Testament, but whose life was changed forever after he read Isaiah 53 in the Hebrew Bible. Yeah, I know you're going to enjoy this testimony. Over a million people have watched Motul's testimony. It's so powerful. So enjoy it. Here's what you need to do. You've got to first shave your head. You dress all in black. You've got to wear a white robe, eat only kosher foods. You've got to become a vegetarian. You face Jerusalem. You've got to face India when you pray. You pray only in Hebrew and you grow a nice big beard. And if you do all of those outward cultural things, you'll discover the God of the universe. And I'm thinking this is crazy that someone thinks that they can force their culture on God and that God's going to be impressed by what you wear, what direction you face when you pray, what you eat, and all these sorts of things. It seemed to me that if there was a God out there who could be known, he should be able to be recognized no matter where I face, no matter how I'm dressed, because he's God. Growing up, we always understood that we had our Bible 
and the Gentiles had their Bible in the New Testament, and that they were two completely separate books. Because the only people I knew who were believers in Jesus were all people in our public school who were Italian Catholic, I imagined that Jesus was Italian. And so the understanding that he's actually Jewish was, was a shock. And then to hear that the New Testament was written by Jews, I, I couldn't believe it. My expectation was that the New Testament was like my grandparents had told me. It was a, a book on how to persecute the Jews and something you should stay away from. Of course, when you're told you should stay away from something, <laughs> curiosity gets the best of you and you've got to see it. When I opened the New Testament, I was expecting to find a handbook on how to persecute the Jews. My grandparents had warned me that it was written by people who killed the Jews. That's what I was expecting to see, and yet when I'm opening it, I'm reading a story written by Jews about Jewish people. The New Testament was a fascinating book. And so as I opened this book in the library, I kind of looked around, made sure that none of my friends had seen me taking a Christian Bible off the shelf. And I open it, here's the first sentence. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So three people are mentioned and they're all Jewish. I was very shocked. And as I continue to read, I'm reading the story of a Jewish man who was born in a Jewish village, in a Jewish country, and one day walks into a synagogue and announces that he is the Messiah. The more I read the words of Jesus, the more I became attracted to him. It was as beautiful as anything I had ever read in any other part of the Bible. As I came to faith that Yeshua, that Jesus was the Messiah, it was clear that that was the most Jewish thing I could do. This is not the person who's a renegade to our people. This is the one who was promised in our Bible, the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. It is astonishing. If you would just read that chapter, just without the Bible being around it, you would say, oh, this is some Christian Bible. This is Jesus. <laughs> when you realize, though, that it's in the middle of our Bible, our Jewish Bible, when I first came to faith, I dared not tell my father because this is a time period in the, the 1970s when there were lots of gurus and cults. And he was very concerned about me getting involved in some crazy sect and going off someplace. So I waited for months. And uh, when I finally told him, he was very skeptical. On his own then, he started to read about Jesus as well. About a year and a half later, I told him that the fellow who wrote one of the books that he had read, that this fellow was giving a lecture in the city of New York. And he agreed to come out to hear that person. And uh, one of the most amazing moments of my life was, the speaker said, would everyone here who is a Jewish believer in Jesus, would you raise your hand? And I raised my hand. My father also raised his hand. And I said, I looked over and I said, Pop, he didn't say, would all the Jews raise their hand? He said, would all the Jewish believers in Jesus raise their hand? And my father looked over and he said, yes, I, I heard what he said. The decision to come to faith in Jesus as the Messiah was not something that was a momentary lark. It wasn't something that was a passing fad. And I could see changes in myself 
that I knew were not from within myself. I had kind of tapped in to a truth for our Jewish people that was very powerful. Why are we here and what's our purpose? These are just a few of the questions that either plague us or propel us forward in search of an answer. So what if I told you that there was one passage in the Bible that could answer your questions and change your life at the same time? Well, journey with Mitch Glazer through the pages of Scripture to uncover why Isaiah 53 has the power to revolutionize your life. The book is called Isaiah 53 Explained, and it's our gift to you today when you reach out and say hello. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for Mitch's book, Isaiah 53 Explained, when you call us at 888-293-7482. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And Mitch, I feel like we just got started into this text of Isaiah 53. I feel like there's so much more that we could go into here. There is, Bobby. Um, I wrote a book called Isaiah 53 Explained. It means what it says. <laughs> and we go into depth on a lot of these, uh, on a lot of the verses. And uh, we hope to continue some of the depth of uh, study next week on the chosen people. And so I hope you all join us. But in case you can't make it, you can do two things. One, uh, you can go and get the book, Isaiah 53 Explained. And you can just go to chosen people dot com slash radio and you can find a way to order the book there and if you just hang in for a few minutes we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about these about these verses but let me just list a few points of summary that come out of the text and, and the first was humility so we understand that the servant was humble mm-hmm. he was willing to suffer the rejection of his community right despised and forsaken a man of sorrows acquainted with grief he suffered silently and didn't retaliate, right? Um, smitten of God and afflicted. And um, he was sacrificially died for the sake of, uh, of the Jewish people and, and the Gentiles. And uh, verse 5, he was pierced through for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him by a scourging where he healed. This person would not just die an ordinary death. He was going to die a sacrificial atoning death, which is a very different kind of death. Right. And then he was righteous and good and would suffer innocently. He didn't deserve to suffer. The Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And uh, then there's just so much more here, but we'll go into more detail and, and really get into it next week. Once again, you've been listening to The Chosen People. This program can be heard every weekend right here on your local radio station, or you can catch us online 24-7 when you visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. And while you're online, be sure to check out our podcast, Our Hope. We have six seasons available to stream right now. Or if it's easier and more convenient, you can just subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so you'll never have to miss an episode. And to stay connected with us throughout the week, be sure to check us out on your social media platforms. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just click the like or subscribe button and you're good to go. But if you'd like to take your evangelism one step further this fall, just go online to our website and grab your very own Isaiah 53 t-shirt or hoodie. 
They're very nice hoodies. We have them in red and black. You'll find these shirts and so much more at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Now here's Mitch Glazer once again to close us with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries.